Now let me give you guys just kind of a specific announcement for where we're at at our church. Was it cold this morning when you got in the church here? Anybody cold? Raise your hand, somebody be honest. The heater wasn't working, the furnace is all kind of messed up, and you know, the, I like this bucket right here. You guys see this bucket? It's catching rainwater. That's awesome, and uh, we got buckets everywhere, and then there was this one particular Sunday here at South Beach Church. The rain goes wherever it wants, but it decided to rain and drip right on our soundboard. Like just, you know, like the rain's picking. It's like, let's, let's hit the soundboard. They don't need that, you know, you know, and the most expensive thing in the building. And it's just so, this building's been so great. And I'm just going to give you guys a quick um, history. Uh, we've been in this building for many, many years. Um, Jim and Sandy Shones were the original owners of this building, and they opened up their church. And their daughter Janet's in the back right there and, and with us and, and uh, so many other people. And, and, and Sharon, or Sharon. Chris, yeah, Kristen will be in the back there. And, and there's, uh, there's all kinds of history in this building. As a matter of fact, one of the very first services they had, the rain wasn't just dripping on the soundboard. The rain was dripping on every single person. Okay, there wasn't any heat here. There wasn't any lights. I mean, it was just all messed up. And, and they were just meeting Jesus. And the church began to grow in that way. And for many, many years, the church has been meeting in this building. And for the last 11 years, I've been pastoring in this building since 20. 10, and uh, we're so grateful for what God has done here. such a wonderful building. has so many memories. And at the same time, the city of Newport has come to acquire the ownership of the building about maybe seven years ago, give or take. And so for the last three years, our lease has been up, and the city's been kind of waiting for us to find a new place to go. And we've known that. They've been super gracious to us, and they haven't raised our rent or, you know, done anything except destroy our parking lot and some other things like that. Um, you know, they told us they were going to do it, though it wasn't a surprise. We, we knew it was coming. And so what we've been doing is we've been praying and asking God to show us where the church should go. And we began this process in 2013 on August 29th. 2013, August 29th, I texted Chris Watkins, a good friend of mine, and she was a realtor, realtor in the area at the time. She now lives in Idaho. And I said, hey, we need land. Can you, can you help me find land? And so, so we, we started talking and looking at various lands and, and this piece and that piece. And there was a two-acre parcel, and they took us to a four-acre parcel. And then there's a 36-acre parcel. And we began this journey. And I remember on the 29th uh, of, uh, of the September, the very next month, I had a real special meeting with good friends of mine now, Dustin and Amanda Capri, 2013. And the way it came about was as Chris Watkins came up to me during one of our meetings, real estate, and she said, do you have any architects in your church? I was like, I don't even know who goes to my church, man. It's growing so fast, and I don't know anybody in the church. And she said, well, you need to have an architect to design your building. I've never done any of this before. I'm pretty good at Legos, but those come with instructions. And, and so I remember on this stage, 2013, uh, in September, a young couple met me right here, and they said, hey, we've been going to church. We've been watching for a while, and uh, we were going to go to another church in town, but we, somebody told us, somebody in your college group back in Ashland, her, her cousin said, hey, check, make, check this church out. And so they came here, and it was right when we started the Gospel of John back in 2013. And it was the introduction sermon to the Gospel of John. And by Dustin's own testimony, I was introducing John. And here's my, my exact words. I said, the Gospel of John is like a double-barreled shotgun of the Gospel right to your face. I don't know why I said that. But Dustin looked at his wife and said, that's our new church. I mean, he's... That's our new church. We're going there, you know, and, they, and, 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 and so I met them. They just introduced themselves. Final words out of their mouth as they were trailing off a little bit, walking away. They said, oh, by the way, we're finishing our, uh, fi our master's and graduation in, in architect and design. So if you ever need architectural help moving into the future, you know, just let us know. And I like didn't let go of his hand. I held onto it like kind of weirdo guy. And, and I said, can we meet tomorrow? Can we have coffee tomorrow? And and so we met and had this relationship, and it began in September of 2013, and, and we began to dream and strategize, and they would have meetings with our church. And since they've, they, they've designed us, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but now we're on version seven of buildings that they've put together uh, in the last eight years because things have changed. They said, what about this building? Wouldn't this look great on that property? And we made the, 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 the site map and put it all together, the concept map, and it looked great, and then that would fall through. The, the building wouldn't work because the land wouldn't work, and we'd come back to the drawing board and we'd begin to pray some more. Right about that time, we went to the Oregon Coast Bank and I remember we started our account there at the Oregon Coast Bank with a $35,000 withdrawal from our account that we had at Umpqua. And we went to the Oregon Coast Bank and we met there with Fred Polstowait, who was the president at the time, me and Denny Burke, who's on our board. And we said, hey, we think we're gonna need some money in the future. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna deposit this $35,000 check in a savings account. And we're going to put all the money we ever don't spend in the savings account so that way one day it's big enough where we can come to you and say, can we have all your money? And you look at how much money we have and we make a deal. And, 
and Fred just sat there smiling. He said, that's exactly how you do it, you know? And so we began to do that seven or six years ago, and that money has then grown, and we've been putting everything we don't spend, every big check that comes in, we put it right into the savings account. So one day, when, with, when it's time, we'll have what's needed to build a building. One thing I'll throw out here at this point is we've never taken an offering here at South Beach Church. We've never asked for money. Uh, people have always felt God impress them and move upon them to be good stewards of what they come into, to see the writing on the wall and how they might aid the church in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so I thank you once again for your guys' faithful tithe and offering, the two separate, two separate gifts. The tithe means 10%. That's what we give of the first fruits of everything we earn. The offering is what we give to the Lord above and beyond our tithe. That's how the biblical principle is laid out for you if you're looking to know how God wants us to be faithful what he's given to us. So here we are now wondering, we're in the timeline. I talked to the city a couple uh, months ago. I said, hey, when are we going to be homeless? I just need to know, you know, how to, how to, how to rebrand our church that we're homeless now. And, and the timeline was that in November 20. 2021. Is that now? Okay, just making sure. Okay, 2021, that the improvement project outside would be done. Okay, they'd be finishing this up. And that that would then trigger talks with the community around South Beach Church. And they would ask the community members, what do you guys want to do here at South Beach? Now, I've asked my, I've raised my hand and asked this question three separate times to the city. Can we just buy this whole lot? Can we just buy it back from you? Can we give you a couple million bucks and just stay here and improve the building? Wouldn't that be cool? Anybody think that's cool? I think it's cool. Super fine with that. Super fine with that. Well, they said no. And, and I asked them three times because people ask that question. Why don't we just stay here? You know, and the main reason is because with the urban renewal, the kind of improvement here in South Beach, which I'm super grateful for. They did a great job. It's, it's going to be really cool. One of the aspects is that they're trying to put in this place a tenant or an owner that generates tax revenue, that brings tax revenue to the city. That's the whole idea with the money they borrowed to purchase this, was they're going to have to sell it to then a new, land, a new tenant, a new owner that generates income, like a Chevron or a Trader Joe's or a Five Guys. I'm really praying for a Five Guys right here. <laughs> five Guys and Fries, Five Guys and Fries, you know. I don't know. I don't know what you're praying for. So they don't want us here, and I get it. No harm, no foul. It's also in a tsunami zone. Recently, last year, uh, the city of Newport and the planning commission, they passed a new bill that if any agency, any entity that builds within the tsunami zone, over 300-person capacity triggers all sorts of necessities for um, foundations and supports and all these other things, multiplied millions and millions of dollars of infrastructure if you're below tsunami zone. So this is not the place that, that we're supposed to be. That being said, okay, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. When those talks begin in January of 2022, the city has not on the record, this is off the record, the city has not on the record said that it will be upwards of, you know, six months or eight months until November of 2022 that we'll really know where we're at and that the church needs to go. Okay, so let's just call it about a year, you know, or so. We've been saying about a year for about five years. So I have no problem saying about a year. We're going to need to be somewhere else. Now, we spent uh, the majority of 2020, 26 weeks in totality, not meeting in the building. We were able to be autonomous. We were able to do online services. We learned how to be homeless. We learned some stuff. We're, we're real rugged. We can handle anything. I'm not even worried about it. In 2015, I think it was on November 11th, 2015, we actually rented the high school and we had our first converge service where we had the nine o'clock and the six o'clock and the and nine o'clock, 11 and the six all converge into one massive service. Remember that at the high school? It was so radical, and about 1,200 people showed up, and we baptized people, and we actually did that just historically. We were having a, a staff meeting, and we said, what's it going to be like if we're homeless? What's it going to be like if we have to go mobile and meet in a school? And so we made up a fake service and called it Converge. It's kind of funny, because we made, we, let's, let's, let's make up a service and see what it's like. Let's go off-site, and it actually developed into this idea, and it became such a glorious event. At that event, by the way, one of my special highlights of my memory is seeing men and women who weren't necessarily active in serving at this church and in these services, because there's not much to do here on a Sunday. At that, it was at the high school. It was crazy, and I saw men and women by the dozens, by the dozen, 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 dozens, all serving, doing stuff, because it was crazy, and I just said, look at all these people doing stuff. People were wearing safety vests and had badges and walkie-talkies that had never worn those things because they, they had to make sure we were safe. And it was such a sweet event to see, wow, all this. And it was just an experiment, just an experiment. So I'm not worried about where God's going to take us, but we are out of time. I would say this before I say what I'm about to say, though. I call that a preface. It's been eight years. And in those eight years, so 2013, August 29th, Okay, I, I, I'm a changed man. God has changed me. 
God has, God has deepened my faith. God has refined my flesh. He's gotten more of Luke Frechette out of the way. There's still some Luke Frechette left, sorry. But I'm a different man. And so I have, I'll just say, I have no regrets over the last eight years of all of the, the buildings that we've designed, of all of the lands that we've mapped and marched. I spent multiplied hours on certain lands. I would hit a map quest and a tracker on my phone, and I would, with my boots and machetes, map the land myself so I knew where the, where, where the topography went, so I, I would know hours and hours. And I'd go back and look at my GPS and see how much is actually buildable. I don't even know what I'm doing, just totally pretending. We paid $8,000 at one point for a piece of land to get it geotechnically surveyed where they drill holes 40 feet down and sample the soil to make sure you can build land there. And it was going to happen. It was actually one of our most uh, likely to succeed pieces of land. And it, it just it didn't work for reasons that I'm aware of in the land. It just didn't work. And in that, not only did we spend money, but some of my flesh came out and was left there in that process. I, I was refined. I'll use the illustration I've been using about my son, Noah. He turns 14, uh, November 24th, and in two years, he'll be 16. In two years, I'm going to give him the keys to my vehicle. Right now, I already give him the keys to my vehicle, but I stand out in the driveway and I watch. <laughs> and he backs up the car, you know, moves him around, you know, and he's scared, and I'm scared, and the neighbors are scared. We're all scared. You know what I'm saying? It's scary. I'm like, dude, brake. Always the brake. You don't get gas, you know, just brake, you know, they're automatics, you know, and but in two years, in the next two years, he's going to grow. He's going to be a different man. And when he's 16, okay, he, there's two more years. And, they, and, God, and God's going to do something in him, and he's going to be worthy of those keys, okay, after some more work. And I believe that the Lord does the same thing in our lives. When King, um, I shouldn't say King, when, when Joseph was told by God that he was going to do and be great things for God, God had to do a work in him before God did a work through him. Before ultimately God did, this is the best part, before God did a work for him. And God's doing a work in you right now. Maybe things haven't resolved as fast as you want. Maybe things didn't go the way you want. Maybe you got phone calls and they weren't what you wanted to hear. Maybe you got disappointing news. Man, it's the story of our lives, is it not? Okay, if God before you, who can be against you? God is always working. Even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's working. And so here we are today. What day is today? Maybe you writing this down? November what? Third, fourth, sixth, seventh, seventh. Is that the seventh today? No, it's the eighth. Is it the eighth? Is that the seventh? Okay, we'll call it the seventh. Why would that be such a hard thing right there? Anyway, <laughs> daylight savings. Did you guys remember that? Okay, don't forget. It happened. Here, here's a quick story I'm, I'm going to tell you guys. Recently, in, in recent events, upwards of Wednesday. Wednesday, I was driving and I received a phone call. And I knew the phone call was coming, but it was from a, a man I've never met man who doesn't live here locally, he doesn't go to church here, and we have mutual friends. And this friend that we share friendship with uh, was recently here in Newport, and I, I took him on a tour, and I showed him the land. I said, hey, we, we tried to buy this land once, and then this land, and then this land, and then this land, and then this land. And, and about halfway through that conversation, my friend said, you know what? I'm going to connect you with one of my buddies. He's a land developer, so what he does, he's really good at seeing concepts and making it happen. I was like, cool, can't wait to meet your friend. And so on Wednesday, I was driving on I-5, and I received a phone call from uh, the, my new friend. And he called me and he said, what's, what's going on? I heard, heard you guys have a project. Tell me your story. And I talked for about seven minutes, okay, about seven minutes, told him that we had been doing what we've been doing for eight years. And at that point, my, my new friend, my new best friend, my new friend interrupted me, interrupted me, and he said, that's too long. Eight years is too long. It's time. And he began to use pronouns. Instead of you, he was using pronouns we. He says, we need to move. We need to move on this right now. And he began to prophesy and he began to pray. I believe from that conversation, Coburg Road right there on I-5, speakerphone, okay, hands-free, hands-free, uh, speakerphone. Uh, from Coburg all the way to Philomath was the duration of our conversation. And once I got to Blodgett, once I got to Blodgett, I pulled over because you're going to lose cell reception. I didn't want to lose this conversation. And, and he began to talk and pray and prophesy. And he was saying things like this. I'm just going to do my best to quote him. He said, we need to move. This needs to happen. And here's what we're going to do. And then he stopped and he asked a question. He said, how much does the new building cost? Just the envelope, the steel, the frame. You order from a steel company that, I don't, you guys ever been to Walmart and they're out of buildings? They're always out of buildings. I don't know what's wrong. You got to get a building from somewhere else. So you order a building from somewhere else. And he just said, how much is just the building? 
And I said, well, the building last time I checked in 2019 in our, 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 our number six rendition, I think it was like five bucks a square foot, which sounds super low. I don't know if it's that cheap anymore. And it, was, it was about a quarter million bucks just for the steel and the walls. Nothing, not infrastructure, not the pad, not the construction. A bunch more money is necessary, but it's about a quarter million. He said, okay, quarter million dollars. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to order the building on Friday. And I'm, and I'm, I'm you know, driving. I'm like, whoa, you know, you know. And I looked down at my speedometer, I was going 190, like, yeah, you know. And he said, we're going to order the building on Friday. And what we're going to do in the next 48 hours is we're going to raise a quarter million dollars in order to do that. We're going to raise $250,000, and we're going to do it in Jesus' name. And then he began to pray, and he began to decree. He saw it. He said, I see it in my eyes. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Nothing is going to get in the way of this. In that conversation I mentioned, this is really cool, I mentioned the desire to have not just uh, a church, but to also have a school that there would be a, a school, a, an alternative to what's going on in the world today, a place for homeschooled parents, a school. And he began to prophesy that there would be a school, a Christian school here in South Beach and run by the church and funded. And he said, I see it in Jesus' name. It's fully funded. It's going to happen with kids and church. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to raise, praise God. You can clap. You can clap. <laughs> And I don't even know what lane I'm driving in now. I'm all over the place. I'm in the middle. I'm in the turn lane. I'm all over. And it was actually interesting. I was in Eugene with Eddie Townsend, a good friend of mine, and he was in a different vehicle at this time. We'd, I gave him a ride there, and he picked up his car. And we had been separated. And so I, I pulled over on Blodgett, and he passed me and saw me on the side of the road. So we pulled over, thought I was broke down. And I waved him into my car. I said, come on, get in my car. So I told him to be quiet. I said, no, talk, don't talk. <laughs> just listen, just listen, you know. And so he's sitting there. And I'm talking to my new friend, and he's telling us about faith. He's telling us about faith. He said, you can't lead. You can't be, you can't lead without faith. You have to have faith. God is a rewarder of those who believe he is and who diligently seek him. He rewards those who live by faith. And, and Eddie and I are listening. He's just giving us these strong, I'll call them rebukes, because that's what it felt like. A rebuke, but an exorbitant. A rebuke comes from a coach to an athlete because they believe in him. They want the best for him. And we were listening to this, and we prayed. He said, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. And he hung up, and Eddie and I just looked at each other. Eddie said, who was that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And so Eddie and I prayed. And he got in his car, and he took off. And I was in my car, and I was kind of just processing. So I was texting my wife and texting my staff. And I was in my car, still getting ready to, to go home. And it was Wednesday night, and, and my phone rang. And it was my new friend. And so I picked it up, and I said, hey, how's it going? And he said, good. He said, how long ago did we talk? I said, uh, seven minutes. It's been seven minutes now. And he said, okay, God was not impressed with my 48-hour challenge to raise a quarter million dollars. It only took seven minutes. Quarter million dollars is on the way, and the, the envelope came this morning. <laughs> That was Wednesday. And then Wednesday led to Thursday. And by the way, I got so many things. I, I talked to him for a while. We prayed, and, and, and he continued to exhort me and, and encourage me. And the biggest thing that I took away was this, life, this lifestyle of faith. And now when someone tells you there's a quarter million dollar check coming your way, he said there's two checks, actually. It's got to come from two separate places, and there's another one coming. But he said, how do you respond to that? Like, thanks, bro. Kind of falls short, you know. It's like, you know, and you don't want to overreact and become a weirdo, you know. And you just, I don't know. And when I said thank you, he said no, no, no. He said thank you for letting me be an opportunity or letting me have an opportunity to help. And he, then he went on to say, and I thank God that God would choose me in a situation like this to participate and to help. That God would let me be a part of the plan and the solution. He was humbled. God's made this man, he's, he's, uh, he's very gifted, he's very committed, and God put that in him. He knew, he said that, God put in me greatness and, and pulls it out of me for his glory and for others good. This is what God has done. And it's, guess what? It's true with all of us. And when he said that, it got me thinking about this mindset and this mentality that we have as believers, who, who we are for the Lord. Do you think God might have chosen you to do anything at all, anything great? I remember when I started coaching U4 soccer, I had to watch YouTube videos so I could learn to coach four-year-olds. That's how bad I was. <laughs> I'm not good at soccer. I, don't, I can't do that. At four, they don't care, though. 
They don't, it doesn't matter, you know. You got to teach them what a ball is, you know. It's not a big deal. But, but, but we, we take the responsibilities and opportunities God gives us. Maybe it's just coaching soccer. You get to coach soccer? Wow, what an opportunity. How many, how many times did I go to a soccer from U4, U6, U8, U12? I coached for, the, for many, many years. And how many practices did I prepare for and say, oh, man, <sighs> I got to go to practice. When I could have said, I get to go to practice. I get to impact these young people's lives. Maybe you're married. Ah, got to stay married. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you get to stay married. Maybe you're single. Ah, got to be single. Maybe you get to be single right now. What do you got to do right now? Maybe you would say, I thank God that he allows me this opportunity that I get to do this, that I get to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Your resources, your time, your talent, your treasure, it, it varies. The whole scale is different here. We're all given 24 hours in a day. We're all given many, many opportunities. Many opportunities. And I believe that if you have missed an opportunity, okay, that's okay. Learn from it. Don't beat yourself up. Not worth it. What does God want to do today? What does God want to do today? Yesterday I was at this CrossFit tournament. Over 500 athletes and, and uh, spectators. It was crazy. It was so, much, so many people. It was crazy. I was so glad COVID wasn't there. It was awesome. <laughs> and I was walking around and I had my, my, my Jesus is Real hat on on purpose. And, and I knew that it was going to spark and elicit two different responses. A lot of turning faces, people don't want to talk to me, people aren't impressed, you know. And then a bunch of people that were super encouraged. Hey, 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 I like your hat. And I had people, people make a beeline, I like your hat, which, which is code word for I'm a Christian too. <sighs> you guys know the Christian fish, the ichthus? It originally was invented by persecuted Christians. And that they would, as tradition goes, they would actually draw in the dirt or in the sand one half of the fish and walk away. And if somebody else were to come and draw the other half of the fish, they knew that that was code word for I'm a believer too, and I'm not going to kill you. It was, it was code word. It was I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Anyways, there's so many opportunities that God has for each and every one of us. If you just look at life differently, thank you for the opportunity to do whatever you do. Whatever your identity is, your identity determines your activity. Who are you in the Lord? Who has God made you to be? What is God going to do in your life, in your life? And you might not be able to call somebody and say, hey, let's do this. We've got a seven-minute challenge. Funds are on the way. Order in the building on Friday. And by the way, Friday was a whirlwind of activity. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Go ahead and put that first picture up there, would you, Dave? Just that first picture. This came out. <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen this picture until Friday night. This is brand new. This is version seven. I called Dustin, uh, Dustin and Amanda Capri. I called them on Wednesday after I hung up with my friend. I said, guys, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, oddly enough, our, our schedule's kind of open. I said, not anymore. Not anymore. We're working all day. We need to design a building and order it on Friday. And uh, so they worked all day Thursday and all day Friday to complete. These are what we call elevations. There's concepts that have interior, and uh, this is the exterior. And they hadn't had this finished yet. We installed uh, 2019. We had uh, something uh, close on the outside to what you're seeing now, but we hadn't put any energy onto the, uh, I should, should say the inside. But this is the first time and those guys worked in their office. They share an office together. They're watching at home right now online. Uh, so grateful for them. And uh, they put this together all day Thursday, in addition to emails to engineers, emails to civil engineers, emails to steel companies, emails to construction companies, emails to geotech survey companies, emails to everyone, dialogue, meetings, Zoom meetings, all day Thursday, which led us to Friday, the day we were supposed to order the building. Now, it wouldn't be fun to say I ordered the building. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. But we have four bids going out to four different steel companies all throughout the nation, some locally here in Oregon and some all over to get the best uh, deal on a building. Go ahead and play that video for us. I asked, wait, say, wait, wait. Here's the fun thing. I asked them, they sent this to me on, on Thursday night or Friday night or something like that. And I said, can you make one of those cool videos that kind of shows the whole outside of the building and all this? And this is like about 5, 36 p.m. at night. And, and Dustin reluctantly texted me back, Yes. <laughs> I was like, isn't that a great idea? He's like, yes, of course, it's a brilliant idea. You know, I wish you would have had it earlier. He said, I'm going to have to go back to the office to do this. And, and I said, you get to go back to the office to do this, you know. 
here we go. Just a little quick video of what this, what this could look like. These are all concepts and designs, what it, what it might be. This is a 25,000 square foot uh, building that they've designed. Uh, has a gymnasium on the left there. Uh, and you can walk straight into what we would call the foyer or the hallway straight down through those center double doors. The sanctuary is on the right. Uh, seating capacity, uh, five, 600 people, maybe 700 if you do it right. And uh, on the left there, like I said, there is a gymnasium that would lead out to the outdoor um, uh, play structure for the kids. And in the back there, there are uh, six different classrooms, uh, all 20 by 20 at this size. And uh, as I mentioned, 25,000 square foot building. This is all preliminary. These are the plans that we're considering sending to. Um, you like the location right there? You guys know where that's at, don't you? What? It's right there. It's right there. If you just open this door and you look out there, it's right there. It's at the top, the tallest trees you see. Now, go ahead and Dave, put that picture, the front picture back up there. Here's the crazy thing. What we're intending to do is to purchase a building before we own land. <laughs> How cool is that? It's like buying a car before you get your license back from the court, you know? It's like, <laughs> by faith, by faith. And through the strength of my new friend and his faith and what God has gifted him, he said, this is how you have to do it. We need to get this building underway. We need to get this building underway. And as we get this building ordered, God is going to provide the next steps. How many of you guys believe that's true? Okay, we clap. I believe it's true. I believe it's true. And I am choosing at this point moving forward, as I have the best of my ability for the last eight years, I'm choosing moving forward to believe that God will provide every single thing we need. Okay, he's going to give us the design structure. He's going to give us the capacity. He's going to give us the school and the workflow. He's going to give us the property. He's going to give us the placeage. He's going to give us the timing. He's going to give everything to us, and we're not worried about a thing. He's going to do it. Now, this next part of the story, I'm still processing. Are you guys processing that? I, I'm still processing all that. But this next part happened just this morning. This morning, I received a phone call at 7.30 from a friend of mine, and it's Sunday morning. Don't call your pastor on Sunday morning. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. But I answered. I'm a nice guy. I answered, and I said, hey, what? Hi, you know, to my friend. And he said, how's it going? I said, fine, pretty much fine. You know, what's going on? He said, I have something for you. I said, what do you have for me? He said, well, I'm outside your house. I said, oh, cool. I'm in, I'm, I'm in my sweatpants. You know, I'll be right out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come grab what, what he gave to me. I'll bring it over to you guys. Now, how weird is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't even drank my coffee yet. And now, the weirdest part is, is this particular friend of mine, he, has, uh, he doesn't know any, any of the most recent events, not, none, zero, zip, zilch. And he was standing there with this, this corner pin. And he's, a, he's an excavator, it's what he does for a living. And he said, this is a corner pin, and he gave it to me. And I grabbed it from him, and it was rusty, it was wet, it was cold. It's fine, I'm a man, I can handle it. <laughs> wiping in my beard. And as I was holding it there, he says, what happens is, is when people are marking their properties and they have their corner pins, if they use the small rebar, it gets lost and you lose the property, you don't know where it's at. And this is the way they mark corner pins. This is the corner pin of property. And while he's saying this, it got super weird. He starts backing up to his car while I'm holding his, this corner pin. I said, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> And then, and then I don't even, I don't know. I'm just, I love you guys enough to share this with you, okay? Uh, he, then he said, you need to get a hold of me and we need to talk. And he got his car and drove off. So now I have a corner pin to a property. Put, it, put that in my beard. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. It could have just been the Lord putting on his heart. Hey, Luke needs to be encouraged. Let him know that the property is going to be his. What property? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, Colleen. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your kindness, Lord, not just to us, but to the entire world, but Lord, specifically to us in this time. We've been doing this for a while. And Lord, my smile grows because you've been kind every step of the way. Lord, even in withholding for seasons, you've been kind 
you know best. You know what you're working in us in order that you might work through us, in order that you might then go to work for us, and we would see you be glorified. And so, Lord, we speak those things that are not as if they already are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And for such a time as this, for such a time as this, Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, Lord, the message of Jesus Christ, the most important message that anybody will ever hear, that anybody will ever share. And Lord, in Jesus' name, may you empower us and enable us to make that message go out into the highways and the byways, to the uttermost, to the guttermost, Lord, in all shapes and forms and sizes. And we pray in Jesus' name, you would give us that wisdom, continue discretion and leadership and provision, that you would take, Lord, this check, this envelope that has come in, Lord, miraculously, and you would continue to do that, Lord, as we get excited, as we purchase this building by faith. And as we see, Lord, more needs come up, you'll meet them. That's what you do. We trust you, Jesus. And I pray you give us great vision and great hope for this school. In Jesus' name, Lord, that this would be a city on a hill, a school on a hill that would raise up the next generation, that would provide an opportunity for people to know the truth and that the truth would set them free and they would be steadfast and immovable, grounded and bearing fruit, Lord, in the things of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, this all for your glory, for our joy, for others' good. Thank you, Lord, for this last week. I just give it all to you. I'm just a simple man. You know that. I was in my knees praying in my office just saying, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing me. And I pray every single person here this week would live differently and say, Lord, what, what, what are you going to use me for? Maybe it's just to be nice to somebody. Maybe you're a student, you're going to school, and you know somebody who's being bullied right now, somebody who's not friend, doesn't have any friends. Maybe they're not bullied, they're just nobody likes them. You can like them. You can change someone's life. You can change someone's life. And we thank you, Jesus. Show us what you want to do. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, if you have more checks like this, our mailing address is P.O. Box 950, <laughs> Newport, Oregon. Um, just keep them coming, keep them coming. Uh, take your Bibles now and open up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Guys, we have like 12 minutes. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Paul is arguing for the health of the church at Colossae. He is fanning the flame from jail. He's not with them. He's separated from them. And the cool thing is, is the apostle Paul is not here with us right now. He's, he's in heaven. And yet he's fanning the flame of our journey. And he's arguing for the health of our church. And he wants us as men and women to be equipped he doesn't want us to be picked off. He doesn't want us to be deceived. He doesn't want us to be outgunned and outnumbered. He wants us to be the roaring lion. C.H. Spurgeon, when he was asked one time, how should a Christian best defend the Bible? And C.H. Spurgeon narrowed his eyes. He said, how do you defend the Bible? He said, well, how do you defend a lion? You don't. You just let it out of its cage. You ever looked at a lion before? They're the scariest beasts on earth. No matter what they're doing, they just look like they could tear you apart. There's nothing that could stop them. So too, God's kingdom, God's message, God's purpose, God's mission, God's people, nothing can stop it. When Jesus asked Peter and the boys who they said he was, he asked them at Caesarea Philippi. It was the most pagan region of Israel at that time. He took them out of Jerusalem, out of Galilee, and he said, we're going to Portland. The most pagan place we can find. And he took him to downtown Starbucks there in Portland, and everyone's doing their crazy Portland stuff. I'm crazy. Crazy. This is where the God of Pan and Pan worship, where we get our idea of panic and fear, and they would worship crazy stuff up there. Caesarea Philippi. You'll go there one day. 2023, March of 2023, not, not 2022. 20, that's where we're going. And it's in that environment Jesus said to Peter, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church isn't stopping. And yet, there is a battle. We mentioned this last week. Paul's been teaching us about suffering in so many ways. But now in chapter 2, he segues and he says, I have a great conflict for you. We learned this last week. We went through three verses, maybe three verses today, if we're lucky. Paul said, I have great conflict for you, the church. And then he went on to say, I want you guys to have real hope, real riches. That's faith, faith in the Lord. I want you to have real love. And I want you to have real knowledge. It's all in verse 2 and 3. 
And I have a few questions. Do you guys have that real love? Are you growing in your real love of Jesus Christ and the brethren? Like a real love where you, where you sh- shut up sometimes? Is your love ever expressed in what you don't say? Just me? All right. What you don't do, what you don't think, because I love you. I want that love to grow. Real riches. Are you walking around like a spiritual rich person or a spiritual poor person? Because if you're a co-heir with Jesus Christ, you're rich. Did you know that? And Paul was arguing for them. And this letter, Colossians, is a polemic letter. Polemic means an argumentative letter where he would argue them into the truth. He would rescue them from the deception. And this is one facet of the church of God. The church of God comes in truth and love. Got to have both. Some Christians have way too much love. They just love everybody. Okay? No condemnation, no, no judgment towards anything, no identification, no, no differentiation. It's all good. All roads, all rainbows lead to heaven. It's all good. There's no different path. It's no diversion. It's all, no, 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 no. There's truth. There's handholds. There's railroads. There's, there's, a, there's a way. Some Christians are just full of truth. They don't love anybody. Right? They just love the truth. They like to fight with people, argue with people. Jesus had two of those guys on his team, James and John, the sons of thunder. Remember those two guys? They didn't want these people who didn't like Jesus to live anymore, and they said, we got this crazy idea. Just go with us. We're going to kill them all. And Jesus said, well, that's not what we do. No, no. But there is a battle. Is there not, guys? Is there not a battle? Look at verse 4 with me. That's where we begin today. Now this I say, what's he say? Verses 1 through 3. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Verse 8, let's read that too, actually. Look back down. I want you to see two warnings in this, t- in this section. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verses 4 and verses 8 are both warnings. I say this that you don't be deceived. I say this so no one deceits you and, and tricks you. In verse 8, the word there is actually takes you captive from the truth and snares you. Paul's warning to you and I is both a warning to be careful of the things that are false and will fabricate fear, but to also be those who are dialed into the things of God. Let me just say something real quick before I say something real quick. I want to make sure we're a cheech that is a church, a cheech. It's been a long week. I want to make sure we're a church that is centric for one message, and it's that message right there, Jesus Christ. Okay, we're for Jesus Christ. We love Jesus Christ. A lot, of, a lot of Christians are known for what they're against. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do that. And we're against that. We're against this. Hey, hey, that's, that's fine. It's in their book. Let's make sure that we're known for, and let's take, make sure that you're more into what, what you're into, Jesus Christ. A lot of Christians get all fired up about the, about the war, about the enemy, about the, the, the lies, counterfeits. You don't need to be fixated on the counterfeits. If, okay, you're in love with the real thing. Because if, if you're in love with the real thing, the counterfeits in your life, the deceivers, the things that will take you captive, if you're in love with the real thing, there's no power in that counterfeit stuff. Sin calls your name, why would I do that? This thing that has fear attached to it, why would I believe that? Why would I do this? I'm going to read verse 4 again. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. That word persuasive words is plausible arguments in the ESV and deceptive words in the King James Version. These are words that people use to grab your attention and prey upon your weaknesses or the realities of our current day and to get you responding in this idea of fear and deception. He said, I'm just praying that doesn't happen. Did you know that every single day, every single culture has some sort of philosophy, philosophy, some sort of norm that's being portrayed throughout the society and people are grabbing onto that and running around like the sky is falling? And Paul says, I don't want you guys to get involved in any of that stuff. I don't want you to worry about that stuff. And you and I are a product of how we've been taught, are we not? You ever meet somebody who's all confused, like, man, what's wrong with you? And they tell you they were, you know, raised in Walpole. You're like, oh, okay, I get you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not funny. My parents live in Walpole. You guys are talking about, you know? But we're a product of our teaching, are we not? 
Recently, Sarah Yardley and Diane Baker went into the jail. I mentioned they were going there to preach the gospel and on Saturdays. And they were in there, and they were teaching out of John 11. And it's a story of uh, Lazarus and Jesus. And, and right away, Sarah told me later that two of the gals in there, a couple of the gals in there, began to fight back right away about who Jesus really is. They said, oh, Jesus is just the brother of Satan. Lucifer and Jesus are brothers. And so this whole like distraction and dialogue, like when they began to argue about this, and these two girls had believed that because in the Mormon church, that's what they teach. They teach that Jesus and, and Lucifer are brothers and all this other crazy stuff, and that just all heresy, chaos, confusion. And so it was a distraction for the first couple of minutes where they were, no, trust me, Jesus and Satan aren't brothers lost at birth, you know, and they got adopted by two separate parents, you know, it's, it's not the story, it's not the story. And this is where you and I have to be grounded and founded in God's word. You got to know the truth. This world is full of craziness, and it's persuasive words. That's kind of the whole idea here. Paul knows that people are going to be swept away. Don't raise your hand, but have you known a Christian who started going into the wrong mentality, the wrong conversations, the wrong direction, and all of a sudden they get swept away? Don't raise your hands. Have you ever been that Christian who gets excited about certain things? Somebody sends you a video to your messenger, you watch it, and all of a sudden you're a flat earther? That's funny. Are you guys flat earthers? That's funny. That's funny stuff. And, and people, and it's a persuasive argument. Like, I, th I think the world's flat. I can't believe it. And by the way, you guys think the world's round, don't you? Don't you? It's because there's been a persuasive argument put upon you. Until Elon Musk calls me, I'm not going to space. I don't know if it's round or flat. But I know what I believe because of what I've been taught. Actually, the Bible does say that the world is round. It says that God sits above the circle of the earth. I believe that. Science came about with a telescope later and proved it's not a big deal to me. My point is, there are things being perpetrated in the world. The average person actually is exposed to 10 to 15,000 different messages every single day. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? 10 to 15,000 messages, whether it's logos on your shirt, whether it's icons in people's driveways, whether it's bumper stickers on their cars, whether it's the radio, television, or internet, whether it's anything you're reading, watching, seeing, or doing, you're exposed to 10 to 15,000 messages all day long. But pay attention to it just, just today as you're driving home. How many signs did you see? How many persuasive arguments? How many ways? And if you don't have the mind of Christ, if you don't have the anchor of the Lord, if you don't know what God is doing, you're going to be led astray. You're going to be taken out, and you're going to be going down the roads. I'm going to read verse 4 so you don't think I'm making this up. He says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now, in the next couple of verses, Paul is going to tell us how not to be deceived. Anybody not want to be deceived? Okay. 30 of you. Awesome. <laughs> None of us want to be deceived. I have found in my life we have three main enemies, okay? The liar himself, father of lies, Satan. It's, you know, nothing he says is true. It's all lies. That's how he started in the Garden of Eden. Remember, he came to Eve, and he said, did, did God say? He began to question God's word. Did God say, don't eat of the fruit? Is that what he said? Did he say you can't eat this? Did he say... Oh, and he began to question what God had said. That's how it all begins. In our culture gone mad today, people are questioning the core value of whatever God has decreed to be true. Whether it's in philosophies of colleges, schools, governments, homes, everybody is questioning for some reason what God has already declared to be true. Why? Because the Satan is the father of lies. He's trying to deceive us all. Not just Satan, but he's also plagued the world. The world is full of deception. You know you can't believe everything you see on the internet? Is that not crazy, though? It's on the internet, man. I Googled it. My Google machine said, you know. I don't believe anything I see on the internet anymore. Somebody will send me a video. It's all grainy in the caption. I'm like, I don't believe any of this. How could I believe it? How, and how can you believe it? You ever had somebody send something to you on Messenger? Forward this to all your friends. Okay, don't do that anymore. Don't do it to me. No more videos. Because you can watch a video, and somebody's going to put it together so nice, and there are things that are put together, and the graphics, and it's all overlaid, and I can't believe this is true. Really? Does it line up with God's word? No. Does it line up with God's glory, with God's mission, with God's purpose? No. Okay, throw it away. You've been deceived. You're off course. You're off target. This isn't the agenda. This isn't what we're supposed to be about. I'm going to read verse 4 again so you don't think I'm making this up. Paul says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with plausible words, divisive words, deceptive words. Not just the devil, not just the world. I have found, though, that I have been self-deceived at times. Okay? Have you guys been self-deceived? 
Isn't that, isn't that silly? It happens, though. Humble yourself. And every time I eat a salad, I humble myself and I check my teeth. <laughs> See if I got any greens stuck in there. You got to look into God's word. Am I deceived right now? Look into the eyes of a person. How am I doing? Am I messed up right now? Am I off? And I've been doing this for many, many years, and I've been self-deceived, but I've also seen many, many people along the way become self-deceived, and it's crushing, and it ought not to be the case. And here we are in 2021, 2021, the end of 2021, 2022 coming up. What are you guys, you guys alive with me? I got a pulse under the spirit somewhere, kind of going fast right now. There's a purpose for your life. I'm going to read verse 5. We're out of time, but I don't care. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul chooses to believe that they're going to make it. I'm not with you guys. I don't know what's going on, but I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in the spirit. I'm rejoicing in your steadfastness, in your good order. These are military terms. Paul knows that the church in Colossae is set up to succeed. So he writes them a letter. They're actually doing good. And he wants to make sure they stay doing good. He says, I'm rejoicing in you. Do you have any Christians that are far off? You don't maybe even know them or don't see them very often, but you know they're killing it for Jesus. They're living the faith. Do you know anybody like that? Rejoice. Did you know that if you're doing that also simultaneously, they see you and they rejoice? Your ministry matters. Your faithfulness matters. Your love matters. Your continued steadfastness in your storm, it matters. These two words, order and steadfastness, read verse five with me again. He says, good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I'm a simple person, hopefully you are too. It really all boils down to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your order and your steadfastness in Christ. Not in South Beach Church, not in a denomination, not in any group, not in any pastor, not in any publisher, it's in Jesus Christ. My pastor, Mark Anderson, when he was being installed at the Ashton Christian Fellowship, and if I, I'll use the right words, when he was being restored to ministry, it'd been a couple years, he sought wise counsel and he said, how can I avoid failure in my ministry, in my marriage, in my life? And this wise counselor looked at him and said, it all comes down to your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Ignore that, and you will dry up and be deceived. That's it. Steward and take care of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you will be steadfast, ordered, and fruitful. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Earlier this week, before things got busy, maybe they were busy, I can't remember. might have been Tuesday. I went down and I hung out on the Raven. It's a boat up the bay, two or three miles, and they're doing some boat work. And, and I met somebody up there. His name's Mike. He's here at the service today. And we were just talking and praying just about our journey with Jesus and what needs to happen in order to move forward. <clears throat> and I said to Mike simply, <clears throat> I said, Mike, just do the next right thing. Come to church on Sunday. Just come to church on Sunday. And I, and I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for him, and we could feel the Holy Spirit blessing him. And it's your relationship, and he's here today. Praise God. Good job, Mike. What, what, what's next for you guys? As a matter of fact, one more verse. We're so late. You're all in trouble. <laughs> now, if we had a facility that allowed one service instead of two, wouldn't that be great? Should we do that? One, one, yeah. None of this two. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, maybe, maybe. Yeah. In Jesus' name, yeah. Verse six. What, what do we do, guys? Let's leave with this. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Anybody like taking walks? I love walks. Walks are so fun. You can see things differently when you're taking a walk than when you're driving. Don't you see things differently? Man, so fun. You can actually cover a lot of ground when you go walk. You ever go for a walk for an hour, you know, and all of a sudden you're like lost and you're so far? You're just like, you cover so much land. And in your Christian journey, you're going to walk with Jesus. You're going to see things differently in Jesus' name. And you're going to cover a lot of land. He's going to take you where he wants you to go in Jesus' name. And it's only up to you to take the next step. What's the next step for you? Maybe if you own a Bible, you know what the next step is? Read it. If you don't own a Bible, take one from us, okay, and read it. 
Maybe it starts serving. What's the next step? Maybe you haven't been serving anybody. You, know, you just don't have a servant's mindset. Okay, you're stalled. You're stale. Serve. Maybe it's fellowship. Maybe it's getting involved in a life group or, or going to CR or going to FTK on Monday night or, or going to the women's Bible study on Wednesday or going to youth group if you're a young person. You just need to get involved. What, what is, what's the next step? Maybe it's prayer. Do you pray? I, mean, I just don't pray. Really? Really? Maybe you should try, just try it. Try what God has called you to do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, you're faithful when we are faithless because you can't deny yourself. And so even though, Lord, we are weak, you are strong. And we know that Jesus loves us. This we know, for the Bible tells us so. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that today we'd be encouraged and maybe we'd even be humbled and maybe today we'd even repent. Repent of our, our faithlessness, our fearfulness, our smallness, our selfishness, our sinfulness. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, or maybe you're not a Christian, but you want to become one, but you need to repent, you just, oh, Lord, you're just, you're, you're just not where you need to be. Would you just, I'm not looking, but would you raise your hand right now and just say, Lord, get me right where I need to be. Zero me in, dial me in, Lord. Get me right back to the spot where the blessings come out. Get me right back to the water, Lord, that my roots will go down deep, that I wouldn't be picked off by crazy, silly things of the world. Raise up your hand right now if you want to be dialed in to the Lord. You want Jesus to be your king. You want Jesus to be your center. You want your life to be about his glory, his business, and his power, not your own. Raise up your hand, Lord. My hand is up to you. I repent in Jesus' name. Lord, take my life as it is. Use me for your glory. And Lord, may we find ourselves empowered by the Almighty. You can put your hands down. Lord, we ask all these things for your glory and for others' good. Thank you. Uh, Lord, may you order our steps now. Do amazing things. I pray for this church in Jesus' name. Put our helmets on. Put our shields together. Sharpen our swords. Lord, we put that belt of truth on. That breastplate of righteousness would be righteous, Lord. And that we would have the boots, Lord. The battle boots of the gospel of peace. And you would take, Lord, your promises, your word, and hide them deep within our heart that we might not sin against you. And that that word would become a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And where this corner pin goes, you decide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. Yeah.